You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. We are back on the podcast, Brian, with, I wouldn't say my least favorite team. Hmm. I wouldn't say my, I'd say my third least favorite team. I'd say the Patriots are my least favorite team. The Giants are my second least favorite team. And the Dolphins are my third favorite team. So welcome, Mike Woodburn. Where, where do the Jets rank, uh, Dolphins fan Mike Woodburn, on your least favorite team list? Probably my second least favorite. I mean, I'm uh, I'm in my mid twenties right now, so I mean, the Patriots are unquestionably my least favorite, uh, and then the Bills they kind of go swing up and down, but the Jets stay pretty uh, consistent. You know, just right under the Patriots and how much uh, they disgust me. Yeah, if all things equal, I think the Jets Dolphins rivalry for many years was stronger than any of the other AFC East rivalries. Yeah, I mean, I I remember watching the Dolphins whenever I was much younger, um, kind of at the very beginning of the Patriots dynasty, and I still remember, you know, the Dolphins and the Jets going back and forth and watching games with my dad, my dad hitting the Jets, and just the constant, you know, anger basically any time that uh, that we were watching a Dolphins Jets game. So, uh, you know, it stuck with me the rest of my life. I guess just here to here to fester. Yeah, it's interesting because you're a post Marino Dolphins fan, basically. Yeah, I mean, I, I was so I was born in '92, uh, and so I don't really remember any of Marino. Uh, I mm-hmm. mean, just mainly highlights on YouTube at this point. Uh, not much from my childhood. So for me, the Dolphins are just always kind of a sub, you know, fighting for the wild card, never really happens type of team. Uh, and I remember from the team, you know, the offensive uh, terrible quarterback play throughout the entire 2000s, um, a lot of fun and joy from Ricky Williams whenever he was a part of the team, and then just great defenses that could never really take us all the way. You know, Jason Taylor, uh, Zach Thomas, I mean, just, man, uh, the entire ter- 2000s, you know, uh, the Dolphins, if they could have that defense now, even with Tannehill, um, you know, a quarterback like him, I still think that uh, we can make it to the playoffs and, and do some do some damage, but we'll see. We first got to get that defense back up there. <laughs> All right. So, how do you think Panels looked after missing a year so far in the preseason and in training camp? So, this is kind of like a a point of frustration, I guess, with me is how conservative Gase can be. Um, because in preseason, Tannehill looks mobile. You know, he's running around, hasn't really taken any hits, um, which I guess is a testament to the O line. But um, he hasn't really had Tannehill go out and throw the ball thirty some odd yards. Um, it's been a lot of underneath short passes, um, quick passing plays. 
I understand that's more or less, you know, of the uh, offense Gase wants to run, but uh, it is frustrating that, you know, we haven't seen Tannehill in what seems like, you know, forever now, and he's being so conservative with them. So um, I guess come season time, we'll see what happens. You have, but you have any reason to believe that he's not at 100% right now? No, I mean, injury-wise, I think he's back 100%. So, I mean, I have no reason to think physically that he can't come back and do everything that he was able to do before the injury. Um, I just hope it's not going to mentally slow him down, you know, come season time. Well, let me ask you a question. Pretend you're the, the GM of, of the Dolphins for a second. Pretend you're the, the Mike Tannenbaum. Sure. What do you, I mean, what's the long-term plan? So we've, this, you know, we've, we've talked to a lot of teams already and, mm. and sort of one theme that you could, you know, anybody who's really following the league closely this summer realizes like, oh man, because Donald's looked pretty good in the preseason and Baker Mayfield's looked pretty good in the preseason and the Cardinals are high on Josh Rosen. And you look around the league and you don't see a lot of teams that don't have their, their quarterback of the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you could argue there's the, the four or five teams uh, with the super old quarterbacks like the Patriots that maybe don't have the quarterback of the future, but they do have a quarterback of the present, so it's not really top of mind right now. Sure. And then there's like the 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 no man's land, like mm-hmm. the Jay Cutler zone, where you like the Bears had Jay Cutler and kept him probably for a few too many years. Where like you're, it's very hard to find somebody better than Jay Cutler in free agency. Yeah, yeah. You know, or in the draft, unless you're drafting top five or ten. But Jay Cutler is not good, so and you sort of know that. So I, I actually have thought about this a lot, and uh, I, I know mm-hmm. it sounds like a cliche. I mean, it's hard for me even, you know, me not to laugh at this, but uh, we just have to wait and see, I mean, what this year does. And I know that's kind of the cliche with Tannehill is it's his breakout year. We'll see what he does this year. Yeah. But the injury just really threw us for a loop there because yeah. at the end of 2016. So you were very high last offseason, if I remember correctly. You thought this would be. <laughs> Yeah. So the- and, and listen, a lot. Of, I think that was the recur- that was the prevalent theme out of Miami. People thought like with Gase, now this is going to be his big year. So uh, and and it didn't happen. So yeah, I mean the injury just I mean threw us. I mean so at the end of 2016, whenever Tannehill was on the win streak, I mean Tannehill looked great, and then the Jay Cutler season happened, and then it threw in a lot of doubts with Gase. You know, so the question right now is. You know, is Gase going to play calls better? He has his quarterback. He got rid of Landry. He got rid of Sue. He has, quote-unquote, his guys. He has his quarterback back. So there's going to be two excuses at the end of the year if we don't do well, and that's going to be did Gase not play well enough or, like, you know, play uh, call plays well enough, or did Tannehill, uh, did he not look ready after the injury? Either way, this is pretty much how I would handle it as a GM after the season, assuming that we don't do well. Uh, And that's... Sorry, no excuses from Tannehill. I understand he might come back better from injury, but I'm going to take the risk on the younger guy, you know, a, a rookie coming in, do whatever I have to do mm-hmm. in the draft to get my guy. Um, so basically, this is the line for me. This is the make-or-break season for Tannehill. This is either you do what we think you can do or you don't, and we have to move on. I, I We can't be in that, that purgatory of the Jay Cutler-Bear era. Um, so we'll we'll see what happens, I guess. Yeah, no, I think it's a fair answer. There's really, right now you're stuck, but this is going to be the season where you can say, like, ooh, Tannehill was an above-average quarterback, and we're going to keep him and build around him, or we need to move on. Uh, and do you think Gase, so you go 10-6 and six and, and lose in the first round of the playoffs to Pittsburgh sure. with, in, in Gase's first year. Mm-hmm. 
Last year is essentially a write-off. I mean, you go six and ten with Jay Cutler. To be honest, like you, you weren't going to do much better with with the with the Cutler Matt Moore duo. Um, no. I mean, if you go six and ten, seven nine again, do you think Gaze automatically gets a fourth year? I do. Yeah, because I mean, again, there's just enough doubt in the players that we have now. And after his great first season, whenever uh, Tannehill did go down, he still got us to the playoffs. You know, granted, it was just a you know, one and done, kind of got whooped by the uh, by the Steelers there, but uh, and then like you just said, going six and ten with Cutler, with uh, the Hurricane taking away our bye week, with um, you know our linebacker, I can't even remember his name right now, going AWOL with the disaster at tight end position that we had. So there's enough doubt to where if we don't, you know, if the bottom doesn't totally fall out, if we still are kind of a middling, mediocre team, you give them one more year. And then you kind of reevaluate after that year, but I think Gase himself is safe. Tannehill, I'm not sure about. Yeah, I think I, I think that's how I would uh, go about it. Also, all right, let's. I want to uh, walk around the team for a minute. Sure. Um, so you, you get rid of Jay Ajayi, who I think they it was more of a personality thing than like they knew he was very talented. I, I it seemed like they were getting sick of him in Miami. Yeah, is that fair to say? Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's kind of the only real way to read it because I mean. He was more talented than the fourth-round pick that we got, but he wasn't so talented to where, I mean, you could really demand a lot from him. He was just, you know, he he's fine. But uh, the, definitely the personality pushed him out, you know, for less than he deserved, I think. Yeah, and and to be fair, he he had a lot of, like, 23 carry for 70-yard games uh, last season. And they weren't blocking for him, but, you know, he didn't have a ton of value on on that team. And, and he went to the goal. perfect situation. I just got to say that in Philly, uh, rotating mm-hmm. between LeGarrette Blunt, who was playing out of his mind that year um, for how yeah. old he is, and, uh, you know, there are other trio of running backs uh, that they had there, but, you know, they had a great O-line. He wasn't the workhorse back. Um, he went to a great situation. I mean, the way we tried to use him in Miami, where he was the bell cow getting, like you said, 25-plus yeah, I mean, carries. carries. I think, when you traded him. Yeah, you know, there was actually a story, you know, going back to the personality thing. After the Jets game, where you guys essentially shut us out, um, we only won because of a garbage time touchdown, um, mm-hmm. which saved me in fantasy that week. So thanks, Devontae Parker. But uh, anyway... <laughs> So Ajayi, um, after that game where we gave him, I think, 30 carries or something, I mean, we gave him an insane amount of carries, and he was complaining that he didn't get enough carries. So, you know, you go back to the personality thing. I mean, at a certain point, uh, it's a little bit bigger than just getting carries. Yeah, uh, so now the running back core is the ageless, or perhaps aged, Frank Gore. (laughs) Um, The oldest running back in the league by... Decades, I'd say. I mean, you see 27-year-old guys basically I mean, retiring. I mean, he was uh, one of the founders the of the NFL, I thought. So, I mean, it's, he's definitely up there. <laughs> um, but, yeah, Frank Gore, you know, um, I, I only like the signing because it was vet minimum. At a certain point, he does have to come crashing down to earth, you know, age-wise. Mm-hmm. Um, so I only like the signing because of the vet minimum. You know, he wanted to come to Miami, that type of deal. Um, but I do like the fact that we still didn't want Drake to be the workhorse back. I, I'm not really in Gase's offense, this no huddle, you know, passing offense. Um, I don't really want Drake to be just the workhorse either. So I really like that rookie that we picked up, uh, Kalen Balaj. Um, I don't think he's ready to start yet, but I think having Gore there, having Gore and Drake kind of be that one-two, 
change of pace back, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and then maybe as the season goes on, if Balazs, you know, is uh, is shaping up as well as I, I hope and the coaching staff hopes, then maybe he can fill in after Gore slows down, hits the inevitable wall. Yeah. By the way, I like that the backups, what, what a backup battle in camp between David Fales, Brock Osweiler, and Bryce Pitty. <laughs> I mean, truly, one, imagine if they, the Hard Knocks was, was, was you know, doing the Dolphins this year. That would really get so, all the airtime. So this is another thing I've thought a lot about. Um, the backup quarterback <laughs> position, the, they, they cannot... By the way, if you spent more than one minute thinking about Brock Osweiler, no, you no, to, no, like, no. redistribute your time. It has absolutely nothing to do with the backup quarterbacks and going back to Tannehill. Uh, and Jay Cutler, for that matter. So last year, we got screwed because we didn't have a backup quarterback. We placed all of our mm-hmm. cards in Tannehill, and when he got injured, we basically had to throw $10 million at whoever would take it, and that was Jay Cutler. Yeah. Um, so this year, what is their plan? Their plan is to double down on that, and that sounds insane, um, and it is No, no it makes sense. If Tannehill's out, we're n- there's no benefit to going 7-9. and nine. Yep. So let's yep. have a young, untested guy who will either – like somehow be good but almost certainly he won't and mm-hmm. then we'll just get draft. the top five pick in the draft it makes yeah. a lot of sense yeah i mean that's weird for a team to admit it but that's what <laughs> you should do i mean you should play osweiler if tannell goes down you should play osweiler like make him make him lose you games and actually you could get a really good quarterback yeah i mean i don't like purposely tanking um but it, it really is just i mean so blatant well, it's not that... purposely it's like well exactly one, it's like what the spurs did when they lost robert when they lost david robinson like well we're not going to win so we may as well like i mean plan much. a is to win the with Brian Tannehill this exactly, year. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Well, I mean, you just it goes back to, you know, what we were saying. You know, I think Tannehill, I mean, it sucks that he's been put in this position where it basically is, hey, come back better than ever after your injury or you're out of Miami. But that is kind of the position that they're in. If he goes down, they cannot, you know, just say, well, Let's see what next year does. Hopefully he'll be back, and then you know he might recover from the injury or any of that. So, I mean, I, I really am. If Tannehill doesn't do as good as I'm hoping he does, then I'm all in on a first-round quarterback, whoever uh, falls to us. Or you yeah, know, maybe I mean, going listen, up, whatever, just whatever happens. Were you pumping your fist when the Bills picked? Josh Allen, because I was. So I was actually at the draft, and I, I pumped my fist for a couple things. Um, so I don't know how exactly you feel about Sam Darnold. I He worries me a little bit. He's played really well, and of course, the, mm-hmm. he's the best the Jets have had in God knows how long. But yeah. um, I was very, very, very happy, uh, ecstatic, whenever the Browns got Baker Mayfield, um, mm-hmm. because I really believe in Baker Mayfield. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I cheered at that, and then, of course, yeah, um, <laughs> it was heavily rumored that the Bills were going to get Josh Allen. And not only do I not believe in Josh Allen, you know, of course, the arm talent and all that is, you know, unquestionable, mm-hmm. but uh, it's not just Josh Allen. It's that he's in a backfield of uh, a quarterback room of A.J. McCarron and Nathan Peterman. Uh, so if he wins that battle, it's not really so much a testament to him as – you know, a disaster that that room is. Right. Plus McCarron being hurt also when he probably would have won that, that fight on his own, AJ. Yeah. I mean, I don't think AJ is as bad as people, you know, say he no, is. No, he's not bad. That's what I'm saying. I think he would have won the job. I, I, yeah, I yeah, think, yeah. Uh, I, th- I think he would have too. Um, I don't think he's, I don't think he's terrible. Like, I mean, some people online, you know, think, but. He's uh, a backup. Exactly. Yeah. He's not starter material no matter what. So, I mean, that's kind of where I'm at, you know, with the bills in general is, uh, they better hope that Josh Allen can develop fast because they're in for a they're in for a pretty long season. Yeah, uh, who's going to lead this team in receiving? In re- let's say receptions, who's going to lead the team in receptions? 
You know, that, that that's another interesting thing. So, obviously, we got rid of Jarvis Landry, and he was the clear-cut, you know, reception, you know, sponge. Um, so now we're left with um, Kenny Stills, Devontae Parker, Albert Wilson, Danny Amendola, and uh, Jakeem Grant. He, he might kind of rotate in and out as a starter as the season goes on, but he's clearly not going to be the reception uh, champion. So you're really left with one of two things, in my opinion, uh, which is Kenny Stills is the clear-cut number one because I have no faith in Devontae Parker. Uh, I thought you were going to say Parker is the number one because obviously talent-wise, so there aren't talent a lot of wise, can... Talent-wise and like physically, I mean, Parker is the number one in what he yeah. can do. I just have no faith personally that he is going to pull it all together, stay healthy, and actually be the number one. Um, I really fell off on Parker after this last season. I wish my co-host was here, Mike, because we, we uh, for the podcast with our mm-hmm. listeners, we do a 32-team uh, uh, fantasy league where sure. like, there's literally 32 teams in the league. And obviously that league is very deep and you need to, you know, search under rocks for players. Yeah. Our WR1, our top wide receiver. Oh, yeah. Starting week one, <laughs> Devontae Parker. Oh, and I didn't want it. <laughs> I wanted I wanted like Sterling Shepard because I figured the Giants are such a passing team. Yeah. And Shepard kind of looked good last year when he when he was healthy, which wasn't often. He but did. I was yeah. overruled by my stupid co-host. We have Devontae Parker, and <laughs> and I, I like I honestly think I might rather Amendola, who I believe is still out there and available. Well, so, so Amendola, I think uh, he's actually already made a real rapport with Tannehill, um, and I think mm-hmm. Tannehill likes those kind of slot, you know, real quick out of the uh, backfield type of guys. So I think he is going to get a lot of targets, a lot of receptions, especially if you're in like a half PPR or PPR or anything like that. Um, half PPR, yeah. Yeah, I think he would be the best option for the Dolphins. Maybe until Albert Wilson, we really see what he can do because he's the same type of player. Um, but, you know, Parker, again, like, I mean, he he's the clear-cut number one in the sense of what he's I mean, able to do. it seems like you have a lot of very good third receivers. That's that's Which isn't a I big joked insult. About it. Yeah, you can... I joked about it with a friend of mine, and that is exactly how I would, I would call it. You know, we have a lot of, like, two, three re- receivers, you know. Um, Absolutely. But... By the way, the Jets could say the same thing. Not to talk too much about the Jets, but they have a lot of really good second. <laughs> yeah, it, it it sucks too because I mean, everyone wants that cover, coveted uh, number one wide receiver, you know, like the Antonio Brown of the team. Um, but this yeah. is kind of just where play calling has to come in and you know, kind of elevate your receiving core. Um, we have a lot of talented guys at different positions, so it's just depending on how you can use them. So fantasy wise, I always stay stay away from the Dolphins because. Uh, um, they tend to disappoint me more often than right, not. Right, they seem to be committee on purpose almost, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The truth is nobody in the division really has a wide receiver one because, I mean, the Patriots have Gronk, but but in terms of actual receivers, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they have a lot of guys who, who were, you know, basically scrubs on other team, and Brady makes them look a little better than they actually are. I mean, Edelman, but he, right now he's suspended. So this is actually uh, an interesting just... thing. Out of everyone in the entire yeah. division, who would you take as a wide, you know, wide receiver number well, one? Well, if you're talking fantasy or real life, I think either way it's probably Edelman, even though he's missing four weeks. The Bills don't even – we're joking about the Jets and the Dolphins having – twos and threes. Oh, they're terrible. Uh, the Bills don't even have those. The Bills have fours and fives and, and UDFAs. Like, the Bills don't have, you know, I mean, Kevin Benjamin's okay. I, I actually think he's going to be out of the league in two years. He's just that type of guy. Who I, I think so, Doesn't seem too. to take it seriously. Yeah. Eating himself out of league. Like, he has the skill set, obviously, to be, you know, similar to Devontae Parker, to be a, a you know, an 85-catch-a-year guy, but mm. not the temperament, possibly. Uh, the, if I was the defensive back, the person who'd scare me the most is Robbie Anderson on the Jets. Now he still might get suspended. Yeah, He's still a little raw. He looked really good last year. So I'll be honest. I, uh, quick, oh, yeah. go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. 
Quincy Anunwa two years ago was really fantastic for the Jets because he's he is the he's almost the reverse of of a all receiver tight end. Like he basically should be a tight end. He's essentially just a receiver who's an excellent blocker. He had over 800 yards two years ago. Missed last year with a rib injury. Mm-hmm. He is healthy. Look, came back last night. Looked great. But again, these are these are second tier guys. Like they're divisions with ten better receivers than anyone we've mentioned so far. Yeah, I actually I, I agree with you um, on what you just said about. Uh... Uh, Anunwa. I thought he was actually really good that season. Uh, that he was last healthy with the uh, with the Jets. Um, but yeah, I mean, out of everybody in the division, I, I, I kind of tend to agree with you. I mean, Edelman probably when he's healthy, we haven't seen him in a little bit, and he's a little older. So to me, it comes down to what you said, Robbie Anderson, or in my opinion, Kenny Stills, uh, just because I think uh, he has the speed, you know, that a number one wide receiver needs. Same with Robbie Anderson. Um, he's so inconsistent still. Like some weeks you see him and like, oh, why isn't that guy like a, a pro ball? Story and of the Dolphins the in general. Like, oh, I forgot he's in the game. <laughs> yeah. 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 The inconsistency is really, it is a killer. I mean, because that, that is kind of the problem at this point is uh, Landry, at the very least, you knew exactly what you were getting with Landry. And now, I mean, we just have so many unknowns with that receiving core. The potential, in my opinion, is out the roof. Uh, but yeah. the uh, potential, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, all right, let's switch to the defense, Mike. Sure. I think, I, I, first of all, Pro Football Focus has the Dolphins' run defense as the worst in the NFL. Wouldn't that, surprise, that me. surprise me. Surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me. I mean, um, yeah. So we were already pretty bad. I mean, really bad. I think like thirtieth ranked or so when we uh, had Indomitable Sue, um, and now we yeah. don't. So that alone, you know, to like people that make statistics and look at them broadly, I mean, that alone would scare anyone to see a star yeah. player like Sue leave. Um, and you wouldn't think it's going to get better. Um, it would get a lot worse, presumably. Um, I think what it boils down to for the Dolphins, it, it's never really been a D-line issue. We've actually had a really good D-line. I mean, I'm sure you know that. Um, sometimes yeah. they play pretty inconsistently, but what always slows the Dolphins down, it still wouldn't surprise me if the run defense is terrible. Um, I'm not trying to make a case for them. Rather, I'm trying to explain why it'd be so bad. Um, well, it, you're just pass rush focus that looks like with your key players that in, in the, in it's the just, front seven. It's the linebackers. I mean, really. I mean, it, you're right. It is pass rushing um, focus, the, the D-line, but the linebackers have been historically bad, in my opinion, um, for the franchise at the very least, but maybe in the whole league. Um, whether it's been injuries or just talent. I mean, we have been so depleted. So right now, um, on the that linebacking core, we're going to start uh, Kiko Alonso, of course, again. Yeah, uh, little, and, he may be past his prime. I'll say generously. I, I, no, I think so. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I wasn't saying that like Kiko was a star player. Uh, more of disappointment. Yeah. Kiko is pretty terrible in coverage. But the sad thing is Kiko really is one of the best linebackers we've had on the team in recent years. Um now, around Kiko, instead of trying to fill that with free agents like they did last year and in past years, um, they are bringing in uh, Raekwon McMillan. You know, he got injured on his first year. And they uh, got a rookie, um, trying to think of his name right now, uh, Parker, Barker, uh, I don't know. He played with Raekwon at Ohio State. Um, but uh, my, 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 my overall point with that is we're starting unknown talent at the linebackers. So we'll see if it all pays off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, n- not a lot of names that a a uh, non Miami Dolphin fan would recognize. Like exactly. Yeah. Um, and then, oh, so the secondary. I-, I will tell you my one sort of uh, pet peeve when look. I was looking at the contracts and stuff mm-hmm. for this team. You do have a lot of talent, really up and down the defense in in weird places. The the Rashad Jones contract to me 
is is a top five bad contract in the NFL. I just said this to the Chiefs fan the other day because mm-hmm. Eric Berry, and you know, out of his control, he's got he's got uh, serious health issues. But he's he's getting paid like an NBA, you know, all star uh, to be a safety. I mean, there's just guy there's just guys on the street who are league average safeties who aren't making anything. Rashad Jones is getting paid like ten trillion dollars, and he's a very good player. But you could get ninety percent of his, you know, of like teams that are paying safeties. Are right now in a little bit of trouble because it, it's the one position you, ba- you could basically get for free. Well, yeah, this uh, this season in particular, it, it was kind of eye-opening to see how the league overall valued safeties because there were a lot of starting-level yes. safeties um, going for, like, vet minimum. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, or, or unsigned. Yeah, or unsigned. I, I think Kenny Vaccaro just got signed, didn't he? Yeah, um, just got signed. Aloka got caught. Reed is, is – I mean, Reed is probably not on a team because of the anthem. But like, yeah, yeah. You know, if he was – if if someone wanted him enough, he would be on a team. If Eric Reed was, yeah, you know, I the, agree. The best safety. In the, if like teams valued him enough, he would so, be on a team, you know, regardless of his opinion. As a fan, you know, of the Dolphins, I was just happy that they, you know, kept Rashad Jones. I love Rashad Jones. I think he's amazing. Um, if you want to look at it objectively like that, I mean, that's just Mike Tannenbaum for you. I mean, he dishes out these insane contracts, and uh, I, I, I guess I'm happy that it's just a known commodity, you know, with the team. It's a player that we drafted. So, I mean, I'm just happy that it's not a free agent at this point. you got to take the little things with the Dolphins, I guess. Um, I will say, kind of on the subject of the safeties and and the DBs, the backfield in general, um, I love, I mean, when you want to talk Miami Dolphins defense, uh, I think the D-line has a lot of potential. Um, you know, even without Sue, I like the young guys, uh, defensive tackle. Um, I think we have good defensive ends. You know, we brought in Robert Quinn and we got Charles Harris, who might be a lot better the second year. Um, linebackers we talked about, that's kind of my biggest worry, but DBs, safeties, all that. Um, so we drafted, uh, Minka Fitzpatrick first, uh, in the first round. And I was ecstatic that he fell to us, um, because I think he pairs perfectly with Rashad Jones. Um, this team has kind of been bleeding at the free safety position for a while now. Um, it's why you see a lot of big passes, you know, happen on the Dolphins. Um, why, you know, number one wide receivers or slot wide receivers tear us a new one. Um, Minka Fitzpatrick paired with Rashad Jones, who, you know, can play the run really well, uh, move up closer, you know, to the line of scrimmage, um, yeah. tackle extraordinarily well, and really just play that, like, kind of strong safety role. Um you know, pass rush, whatever we need them to do. I think that pairing is going to be really good. And last year, uh, we also saw Xavier Howard emerge uh, as a true number one corner. And, uh, I mean, you as a Jets fan, I mean, you understand how valuable a number one corner is, Um, especially me, you know, as a Dolphins fan, getting killed by those number one, uh, you know, corners. So, anyway, um, I I think uh, the backfield in general is going to be really good. I think the weakest spot there, um, something that you heard a lot in the preseason the coaching staff is concerned with, is the uh, number two spot, the number two corner. Um, It's kind of like the wide receivers in the sense that we have a lot of guys that should, um, on paper, be able to fill in as that number two. But apparently they've all been pretty bad in camp and in the preseason. So um, I guess look for that to be kind of a weak spot for the Dolphins. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you a question before we get into uh, predictions for the season. Sure. All right, first, we have we have a listener from New Zealand, Sam from New Zealand. Sure. And he has asked every team, mm-hmm. uh, a fan of every team, to pitch why he should become a fan of that team because he is just starting to follow the NFL. Mm-hmm. No better time, by the way, to start following football than now. Mm-hmm. And he um, he want he is totally undecided. He's open to all thirty-two teams. So he yeah, start rooting for the Miami Dolphins in twenty. 20- 
So uh, I, I would say this. Uh, the Dolphins are on a uh, make-or-break season, so you're going to be able to enjoy one side of two coins, or, or excuse me, um, two sides of one coin. You're either going to be able to experience the uh, turn, you know, whenever this team finally turns and, you know, Tannehill emerges and, you know, everything goes the right way and they make a playoff push, they have all the pieces, and, you know, this talent finally comes together, or B, uh, it's going to be a rebuild. You know, we're going to pick very highly in the draft. You're going to see a lot of young rookie talent. You're going to probably see a new head coach come in, you know, and, and this new duo, there's always a lot of excitement whenever just new things are happening. I like our owner a lot. Of course, Miami, you know, it's hard not to like Miami. Uh, you know, you're boom or bust with the Dolphins. There's not really going to be a lot of middling ground like with the Detroit Lions where it just feels like every year is kind of the exact same thing. It's treading water. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. So, you know, we'll, uh, we'll... I mean, the Dolphins have been treading water, but you're saying they're getting to sort of a breaking point, which is, I think, a reasonable... Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I think, I think we've been middling uh, for too long. <laughs> um, and I think that we're about to see a new era, um, hopefully without Mike Tannenbaum. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah, we'll, we'll see which way, you know, which uh, side of that coin we get. All right. Um, let's play the roster game quickly. Pick a number between zero and a hundred. I'm just going to ask you, uh, to tell me everything you know about a random player on the Miami Dolphins. <laughs> well, um, I'll try not to use like a, you know, number that I actually know, like 32. Can you well, break Well, it's not anything? a Jersey number. There's a whole formula. So uh, you, I see. It's just a random number. I see. Yeah. I see. Uh, let's just do like 45 then. Uh, okay. Who is David Steinmetz? <laughs> I don't even know that one. Uh, who is David Steinmetz? He appears to be a UDFA. Okay. Um, he is the third string right tackle behind Juwan Williams and Sam Young. <laughs> I would certainly imagine he's not a threat to make the team. No. He went to Purdue. He's a big fella, 6'7", 321. Uh-huh. They signed him in May. Uh, yeah, David Steinmetz. Sounds like a, a, a rabbi in my high school. But, uh, that's, uh, that's, that's your dolphin for today. You learned something new. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'd imagine he might be the 90th on the 90-man roster right now. David so. Steinmetz. Yeah, probably. I mean, around there. Um, the, the interesting thing about the Dolphins, you know, I've talked a lot about like the boom or the bust kind of way that they are f- coming into this season. Um, mm-hmm. There's not a whole lot of roster spots that are up, like, you know, for debate, you know, a lot of, um, you know, roster spots that aren't locked in already. Um, I think I, I, I don't have the exact numbers off the top of my head, but I mean, it, it's close to like only five, you know, legit spots on this team um, that yeah. you don't really know which way you're going to close well um, that's a good sign of of, of back and roster depth do you think is that a tannenbaum thing like you think they've been they're better drafting well they're oh drafting well so yeah i think they actually have been drafting um extremely well this uh this past draft this year was one of my favorites i think we've ever had um not just because i was at the draft and i had a lot of fun but uh i just have a lot of faith in them but even like past couple years i think they've been really good um i like them a lot so depth-wise, I think the Dolphins are uh, probably the best they've been in recent years, which is kind of why I'm not stressing out, I guess, as much as recent years. Um, but they're just not very top-heavy. They don't have a lot of star talent. I think I feel like they're pretty yeah. oh, deep. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So the the uh, Pro Football Focus 101, which is the top 101 players, not that not it's the be all and end all. But, yeah, yeah. Um, the Dolphins have no, with Sue gone. He was on that list. They have no players on that list. Yeah, I, I mean, Cameron the Wake you could make an argument for, but he's kind of like Frank Gore, where, I mean, the wall's got to hit, I mean, eventually for the guy. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. I mean, we'll, we'll see on Cameron Wake. I mean, nobody would call Tannehill a star player, but, I mean, he is for the Dolphins. I mean, 
Right. He is the Dolphins season, Ryan Tannehill. So yes. like him or hate him, I mean, this season for the Dolphins, you better like him if uh, if you're rooting for him. Um, Kenyon Drake, I mean, maybe. We'll see a year or two from now if he ends up on that list. Uh, Minka mm-hmm. Fitzpatrick, same thing. Um, I'm surprised Rashad Jones is not uh, because I think Rashad Jones legit, legitimately has been a top five safety in the entire yeah, league. Yeah, I think he was probably close to that because they did like Rashad Jones last year. He's probably not too far off the list. Yeah. Uh, the Dolphins' win total, Mike, is six and a half. Are you going over or under? If you want to pull up their schedule for a second, you can even tell me which games you think they're going to win this season. You guys open at home with Tennessee. Really a barn burner. The, the, the nation's eyes will be turned to the Dolphins. <laughs> Um, funny thing about playing the uh, Titans, I joked about this with a friend of mine, um, is the past couple seasons, our turning point of the season has always been when we played the Titans, for better or for worse. In the 2016 yeah. season, it was after the Titans game that we went on our great win streak and you know, um, rode to the playoffs. And then I think this last year, we lost to Tennessee, and the season just, I mean, spiraled downhill. Isn't it Houston that you guys have never lost to, or vice versa? Like, one of you, so someone's we, undefeated. We won very recently. Uh, the last time we played oh, Houston, they we... Were, they were undefeated against you guys, you're yeah. saying, and then, and then you finally beat them. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, anyway... That's your only prime game all year, also, Mike. They, the uh, thir- You have one Thursday nighter. So Shows actually, you what the league expects this season. Yeah, so I'm actually uh, I'm going to that game, which I totally uh, fully expect a loss for so many reasons. Uh, it's a Thursday night primetime game, probably being the biggest reason. <laughs> um, but, yeah. you know, I'm going to the game. Hopefully it'll be a good time. I got a good track record. So, um, mm-hmm. all right. As far as schedule predictions or, you know, overall season predictions. And your schedule prediction, is pretty, other than the Patriots game in Foxborough, the schedule is really light. For the, for first, the first half or so. Yeah, and, and it gets, I mean, if you guys were good this year, mm-hmm. it gets pretty vicious after you're very late by. Yeah, so the Dolphins are a weird team um, where I can look at strength of schedule, and I, I never really get too afraid. You know, I'm looking at, like, the back end of that schedule now, and it is it is brutal. Um, you know, we never really play the Bills or um, the Patriots at their house, you know, better. Um, but it looks like that one's, again, you know, we're home. But anyway, um, we're playing the Bills, Patriots, Vikings, Jaguars, Bills. Uh, that's a brutal schedule to close out uh, the end of the year for the Dolphins. That said, the Dolphins do weird things. They're probably going to win at least two of those. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's three of the semifinalists from last year to, in December. That's not great. Yeah, it's it's definitely not. Um, they'll they'll probably. It would not surprise me if the Dolphins won four of those, but they finished. You know, they they lost against the Titans, the Raiders, the Bengals, the Bears, and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. They're just a weird team like that. Um, so strength of schedule never necessarily worries me too much. Um, but that said, you can't just totally throw it out the window. Um, here's the thing I'll say about the Dolphins is uh, everything that we're talking about in this episode, I, I could see them go 5-11 and 11 or 11-5. and five. I can legitimately see it either way. Well, if you see them going 11-5, that over-under number is 6.5. So you should be like putting you know putting your uh like all all every dollar you have in the world um so i don't into that wins total i i could see them going anywhere in there uh i'm not banking i'm not banking on it though um i think realistically i would take the over on it but i'm not you know saying that they're going to ride to the playoffs or anything i just think that seven and nine or eight and eight is more likely than anything under six um Mm -hmm. so i mean it's it's unfortunate. I mean, it doesn't sound like I'm super excited about the Dolphins. I am. I mean, I'm a big fan, of course. Uh, I'm gonna. No, you're excited. You're pumped up. You're just yeah. not. Uh, you're. My my expectations are lower than you know than past years. I guess is the best way to put it. Yeah. 
So, which That's I mean ha- has its ups and downs. You know, I mean the ups are uh, I got very excited for Jay Cutler last year, and I mean whatever happens this season, it's got to be better than last year. So, um, I'm I'm sure I'm going to have a better season than last season. Yeah, um, and lastly, uh, not football, but uh, longtime listeners will know that you're a big time podcast expert. Do you have any uh, podcast recommendations, be it a new series or or even an, uh, an episode of a podcast that so, our our listeners who are clearly podcast fans. So, uh, or, uh, or at least like tolerate them. Yeah, okay. yeah. So, I, you know, I, I'm subscribed to well over 100 podcasts. I uh, listen probably more than I should. And this year, it's actually funny. I, uh, I have not been able to listen to as much. I've just been very busy at work. Uh, and so I, quote unquote, wasn't caught up on my podcast. And all that basically means is it took me two more weeks to listen to about, you know, 50, 60 more podcasts. So um, mm-hmm. I still listen to a ton, even if I can't make time. Um, as far as like what I'd recommend, uh, comedy wise, um, really, I mean, just check out like the Earwolf Network or the Headgum Network. Both good networks. Uh, Doughboys is an awesome podcast. Stuff like Hollywood Handbook and Comedy Bang Bang are great on Earwolf. Um, but I've also just been getting a lot more into like the um, like history podcast and stuff. And this one is uh, super well known, but hardcore history and like podcast in that vein. Um, it's just nice, you know, if you have to drive for four or five hours uh, to be able to put on something and zone out for a while. So uh, in general, I guess just promoting more podcasts, just check them out. They're awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So you did a great job as always, Mike. I really thank you for your time. Uh, I don't want to say best of luck to the Dolphins, but I guess, you know, if you guys be Patriots twice, I, I would be totally fine with that. Yeah, you know, uh, like we uh, said earlier, the Dolphins do weird things, so it's uh, more likely that we'll sweep the Jets and the Patriots and, you know, lose to the Bills or something like that, so, uh, and lose to, you know, every other team on the year. I don't know, I, I, I expect I expect nothing uh, from this team, so <laughs> I'm just ready for uh, ready for the season, ready to have fun. That's and, my uh, philosophy through life, just like set the bar so low that anything you do is basically the, You know, uh, I'm sure you can relate as a Jets fan, this team might have just finally broke me this past year so uh you know everything's uphill from this point forward <laughs> listen the grass could you know one year who knows i don't i don't know who the number one quarterback right now is in the 2019 class but maybe he's heading to, to south beach next year we'll uh we'll see or maybe Tannehill uh you know has a carson wentz nick yeah, Foles right. uh, season Tannehill becomes listen brady's <laughs> got to go the afc east needs a new king oh so you know i know we're wrapping up here but i i, I do have to just yeah. talk to you and mention this real quick uh that that last Super Bowl, how excited were you with uh, with Nick Foles of all quarterbacks to outduel I mean, Tom Brady? I mean, I'll Super be Bowl? honest with you, I, it was it's always nice to see the Patriots lose. The Patriots have won so much; it's like rooting for Jeff Bezos to lose a billion dollars. It's like it doesn't even. <laughs> I know, I it know. Wasn't you know what I mean? I know. Like, it's it's the history's already been written. That I know, I know, but you gotta you gotta take whatever wins you can. I mean, every time the Patriots I know, win, I just die what? a little more inside. So uh, I agree, <laughs> but I also want I want everyone else to be miserable. Like misery loves company. So if the Jets are losing, why do I want the other Green and White team to win? Like let the Patriots have all the Super Bowls, and then when we win, <laughs> we could be the team that does something special. Like. I, so I don't want the other teams to be happy. I don't want the Eagles or the Vikings or the Jaguars to get any. I, like, I can understand. Like, I can respect that. We don't have. I can respect that. <laughs> I wasn't rooting for the Patriots. Don't get me wrong. But at this, you know, at a certain point, you just, you're not really happy is. for their happiness. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not happy for any. I want everyone to be miserable except the Jets. And, and that's fair. That's fair. Know, the Jets are miserable, so I, someone has to win. So it may, as, in a weird way, it may as well be the team that just all, kind of always wins anyway. And. And, uh, you know, maybe they'll get so sick of winning that they'll all Belichick and Brady will retire 
and uh, and that, maybe Kraft could give the team to his incompetent son, and then and then maybe uh, that will turn around for the Jets. Undoubtedly, be the happiest day of my entire life is whenever Belichick just retires and you never. If they see retire him. together, yeah, I can't even imagine. Yeah, I, it would. It would really. I'd be. I'd be so joyous. That would be wonderful. Well, he's um, forty-one listen, this year, so we'll, think uh, we'll it's see. Like, it's, people think the organization is just like, oh, it's the organization. Well, like the. I, I don't know if you're a soccer guy, but like the 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 Crafts soccer team is the like the joke of the MLS. Like the they don't know how to run a soccer team. So and and they didn't know how to run a football team until they magically got Brady uh, after after uh, hiring Belichick. Like it, it might just be a Brady thing. It might just be a Belichick thing. It's not definitely not just a Kraft thing. So the the end could be nigh. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, we'll see. I mean, we've never seen, like, Kraft without Belichick and Brady, you know, so, or at the very least, I haven't. So, we'll, we'll, we'll see if, uh, you know, the downturn is finally, finally here. I know we've both been waiting for it for a very long time. Yeah, it will, it will, the day will be nice, I agree. All right, Mike, thanks so much for your time. Luck to the Dolphins this year, and we will speak to you next year, unless the Dolphins are, like, in the Super Bowl or something. <laughs> yes, sir. We'll, uh, we'll see you guys. Just
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.